Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Numbers. <laughs> you know, when you go going back to the, the, the numbers, it's going to get serious. So this message is um, derived from a service, I believe, two weeks ago. Maybe three weeks ago, but two weeks ago. And in the service, we had a, a uh, now all, all you spirit-filled people, hear me out. We had a tongue and interpretation. And it was powerful. How many of y'all were here? Raise your hand. You remember that? We had tongue interpretation. And the tongue and the interpretation was essentially this word about Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies. Remember that? And it was that story. And it was like God has given you this promised land. And uh, go possess the land. And be, be full of strength and courage and go possess the land. Right? God has given us the land. A lot like Andrew was saying this morning. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from the place that victory has already been promised. We're fighting from victory. Amen? So, so this message is right on cue with what um, the Spirit is saying. Literally, it was a tongue interpretation. And, and I don't feel like it was just like a one-day thing. So I wanted to unpack that story this morning. So we're going to do a lot of scripture reading this morning. We're going to talk about this story. And we're going to pull from it what the Lord have us uh, get because it was a, a specific word for us in our church right now. Okay? So let us pray and then let us dive into the scriptures. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, if you're there. Holy Ghost, we love you. And the assembly said nothing. Holy Spirit, we love you. <laughs> we are grateful for your presence. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord with our brothers and sisters and to feel the presence of God. We are grateful and we don't take that for granted. So now may your spirit, may the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ enlighten our hearts toward the depth and the height and the width of the love of God. And may we fully understand your word for us, your now word for us right now in this season. God, open our eyes, open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. This is the story of Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out men for yourself to spy out the land of Canaan. Now I want you to hear this. Which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. That is a promise. This is why they call it the promised land. Amen? Y'all out there? Okay. The promised land. So, right now, it's as good as done. God said, I am going to give it. That's all it takes. When God says, I'm going to do something, doesn't matter what you think about it, doesn't matter how you feel about it, it matters that you come into agreement with what he says. And, and I mean, if God said, I'm going to give you this land, you could go, well, I don't know, man, that land, that, that got stuff in the land. And, you know, No, no, I'm giving you the land. That's how it's going to be. Are you going to come into alignment with what I say or is what you say going to be louder than what I say? So the promise is very clear right off the bat. It's not ambiguous. It's not fluffy. It's not hard to understand. Go here. This is the place I'm giving you. Okay? Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land. From each of the father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran... At the command, everybody say command. command. At the command of the Lord. All of the men were heads of the sons of Israel. These men were named this. This is important. This was their names. Okay? From the tribe of, and I don't, I don't say Old Testament names very good, so you laugh with me. I will, I will trust that the Spirit will give you the interpretation. 
okay? Um, from the tribe of Reuben, Shamua. Is that how you say that? Shamua. Anyway, <laughs> let's go faster, Chester. Shamua, the son of Zakar. From the tribe of Simon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb. Everybody say Caleb. The son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim. Everybody say this with me. Hoshea, the son of Nun. Everybody say Hoshea. This guy's name is Hoshea. Okay? Hoshea, the son of Nun. Verse 9, from the tribe of Benjamin. Palti, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun. Gadal, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph. From the, tri- uh, from, the, from the tribe of Joseph. From the tribe of Manasseh. Gadi, the son of Sush- Susi. From the tribe of Sushi. Everybody got hungry. From the tribe of Dan. Amiel, the son of Gamelia. From the tribe of Asher. Sethur, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphali, Naphali, Nabi, the son of Yvoshi. Vopshi. From the tribe of Gad. Guel, the son of Micah. Micah. Uh, from the, and these are the names of the men. Now, anybody want to come here and do better? I did, I did 88% good on that, okay? All right. So verse 16, everybody listen to me. Verse 16, these are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy the land. But Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Yeshua. Every other man is sent out in his birth name. Moses said, I don't don't call you by your identity. Your name, we're going to take Hoshea and we're going to put the name of God at the beginning, Yah, Yoshua, which is the name of, okay, it doesn't really, you, you can't miss this one. When you were in third grade in kindergarten, the every answer to the question was, thank you. For the first time that I'm aware of in the scriptures, in the book of Numbers, the name of Jesus pops up to go possess the promise. Y'all out there this morning? So Hoshua, literally, Moses called Hoshea. Guess what Hoshea means? Hoshea means, excuse me, one second. Let me get to the right. Hoshea means a desire of salvation. In other words, this man's birth name, the meaning of his name is I desire salvation. Not just for myself, but for our people. What's the name of Jesus mean? You add Yeh, Yah, Yah to Oshia, Yahshua, the name of Jesus. It literally means this. It means divinely appointed Head of salvation, Savior. So Josh, literally, uh, uh, Matthew 1.21, this is in the New Testament, Matthew 1.21, when Jesus is being named, she will give birth, this is talking to Mary, she will give birth to a son, you shall name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. So the desire of salvation was sent out with the name of God on his name, which takes it from a desire to a fulfillment of the one who provides salvation. You with, you with me? And now he goes not in the desire of salvation. He goes as one who is providing salvation. Does that make sense? Because the name of God's on him. This is the first thing I want to bring out to you this morning. I want to bring out to us as a church. because This was a prophetic word for our church. There are promises in front of us. Right? There is a promised future that lays ahead of this church. Us as individuals, but us as a body. There is a promised future that God has said. Every word, listen to me, every word that has been prophesied over this church, this congregation, is still going to come to pass because the promise has not changed. 
Amen? And so what we're doing is we, we're, we're move, at, what, what God is calling us to is to move from a place of where we're desiring the promise to come to pass. We're desiring salvation. We're now he, we don't go in our own name, but He changes our name. Amen. Out there? He's changing our name to go from desiring into, now we're going to go into a time, a season, a very literal season of fulfillment. Where we're going in the name of Jesus. We cannot, as a church, afford to go in our flesh, to go in our, our earthly identity. Right? We cannot afford to go in, in our earthly identity. Really, when we present ourselves to the promised land, we present ourselves as coming in the name of Jesus. Yahshua. Joshua. Right? I'm, I'm kind of jealous. My parents named me after my, my dad and after my grandfather. I'm Chester the Third. Everybody proud of my name. And they named, my, they named my brother Joshua. I just figured out he's named better than me today. <laughs> uh, you got Jesus. I got Chester. Imagine how that went in elementary school, right? Okay. So that's a joke. Y'all can laugh if you want to. Anyway, here's the thing. Yahshua. Moses, I love what it says. Moses wouldn't call him by his name. Moses wouldn't call him by his name. Moses said, Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So let's keep on reading in the story. First point is this. We don't go in our own name. What happens when you go in your own name? You strive. You limit yourself to your abilities, your power, your strength. I may say strength. This story is a story of courage and strength. But see, imagine Joshua, and Moses kept calling him Yahshua, right? And, 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 and he realized, he's taking my name and he's adding God to it. Why in the world? This is crazy. Like, why does he keep calling me this? Does he, does he not know what my name is? And he, and he didn't realize the revelation hits Joshua as he's walking in the promised land, spying out the land. I'm not coming in my strength. I'm not coming in my power. I'm not coming in my courage. The name of God is on me, and we go forth. Amen? So that's what we got to have. We need the name of Jesus. Amen? And you need the name of Jesus on your life. You don't want people to look at you. You don't want people to look at, at, at us. We want people to look at Jesus. Amen? So Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up there into the Negev and go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak. If they're few or many. And how is the land in which they live? Is it good or is it bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are the people in open camps or in fortifications? How is the land? Is it productive or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Show yourselves. Look at me. You show yourself courageous. And you bring back fruit. Y'all out there this morning? We're going to come back to this. Let's keep on reading. We're going to come back to this. Now. Everybody say now. Everybody say now. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. They give to Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies. They give, they give to these men a, a commandment. Right now, go into the land. I need you to muster up some courage. Two of them did. Right? I need you to muster up some courage. And I want you to bring back some fruit to prove to all these, to prove the entire nation that what I promised you is actually the real deal. And the Bible says that when they come back with fruit, they had to carry it on the pole. That's how big these grapes were. Now listen. He says, now is the time. And this is where this word gets kind of prophetic because I want you to listen to me. I was doing my study on, on, this, uh, on this 
you know, when I was breaking down all these verses, now the time was the time of the first grapes. Literally, that was August. This prophetic word came in August. And the prophetic word was, now is the time of the, of the first grapes. Right now in August, um, this was August when the first clusters were gathered, the second gathered in September, and the third in October. We are in a three-month season window right here where God has commanded us, take up some courage and go produce fruit. Y'all out there this morning. Take up some courage. Go produce fruit. You're not going in your name. I put, you're not even going in the new quote-unquote church name. You're going in the name of Jesus, and I want you to be, I want you to go in that name full of the revelation of what that name means, and let it build courage in your heart. And I want you to go out there, and I want you to, you take courage, and you go bring back some fruit. That's the mandate, the prophetic mandate for the church in this season right now. For us to and I'm, you know, and I'm not, look, I'm saying, take some courage. Go ask, don't go talk to somebody you ain't talked to in a long time. Go do something you ain't done in a few years, like witness to somebody or talk to them about Jesus or pray with somebody that you haven't prayed with in a long time or do something. Go do those things you did at first when you were in love with Jesus. This is an on to take up courage and go produce fruit. And what he's saying is, if you go do this, the land is yours, right? The land is yours. Like out there, the promised land, it's yours. Go take it. Get courage. Bring back some fruit. Go in the name of Jesus and possess the land. Y'all out there? Let's read what happens. Verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob and Lehobamahamatha. Okay? Okay? And, let me keep reading here. When they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron where Aham, Aham, I mean, all these dudes are at. They're the descendants of Anak were. Okay, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, in case you need to know that. Verse 23, then they came to the valley, the valley of Eskal from the city of the branch, which is a single cluster of grapes. They came with where they cut off a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two men. That's how big the cluster was. In other words, this is not a, uh, uh, I believe many of us think our, our future is not very fruitful. And the, the reality is our future is probably the biggest fruit we've ever encountered if we're, if we're courageous enough to go grab a hold of it. Y'all out there? Man, look. We are not, as a society and Christians, we are not in survival mode, hunkered down until he returns. We're absolutely 100% in fruitful mode. And the fruit is ripe and the season is now and it's more fruitful than we ever could have imagined. That makes sense? So... They came from the valley of Eskal and from there to cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. They carried it on a pole between two men and some of the pomegranates and figs. Verse 24. That place was called the valley of Eskal because the cluster which the sons of the Israel cut down. The fruit was so fruitful they named a territory after it. That makes sense? This is the place where we found that really large cluster. This is the place where God said, absolutely, the place is fruitful. Okay? Verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they went on, and so this is now into October, they went on and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. They're in the wilderness. Everybody say wilderness. And they've been promised the land flowing with milk and honey. They're in the, in the wilderness wanting to possess, desiring to possess salvation for Israel, which is flowing in the promised land. Amen. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit. In other words, the proofs in the pudding. Y'all out there? So they reported to him and said, We came into the land where you sent us, 
And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And uh, this huge cluster of grapes, this is the fruit that you talked about. Right? Y'all with me? The came to the land you see this, it certainly does flow with milk and honey. Everybody say certainly. These are the facts. The facts. Everybody say facts. No, 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 no. Everybody say truth. The truth is it does have everything God you said it would have. That's the truth. You said it would have milk. You said it would have honey. You said it would be a, a land flowing with rich, and, and it would have these. It has everything God you said it would have. So they reported to him and said, We came into the land where you sent us. It certainly does have. It is fruit. Nevertheless, first mistake. How many of y'all, let me say this in a way that you won't forget it. You need to leave your butt at home. Come to church. That's not what I said. <laughs> but you need to leave your nevertheless or your butt at home. When you go, when you are sent and when you go, it's what God said, period. And you go. And if you can rationalize it, it wasn't God who sent you. I'm preaching better than shouting. God always calls you into an arena of faith. And so here they go. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land... This, they're strong. Let's just read through this real fast, Jim, and I'll come back. They're strong. The cities are fortified. Remember, go see at the cities if they're just little, if they're little tent setups or if they're fortified. Well, the people aren't weak. They're strong. The cities aren't tents. They're fortified cities, right? Uh, they're, and, and, and they're very large cities, right? The greats were large too, but nobody wants to talk about that no more. Okay? Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Those are bad dudes. Those are very big bad dudes, okay? Verse 29, Amalek is living in the land of Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living in the sea and by the side of the Jordan. In other words, this place is heavily occupied by a bunch of people who are up to no good and they're bad news and it's going to be really difficult for us to go and take the land. Okay, let's keep on going. Amalek, or verse, verse 30, Caleb quieted the people. God, give us some Caleb. Caleb's, who will stand up and go, hey, y'all need, need to shush, shush your mouth. What you're saying is not what he said. How many of you got some Caleb friends in your life? If you don't, get a Caleb friend in your life. Get a Caleb friend in your life who will say what you're saying is not what God said. <laughs> I need a, a Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, we should by all means. There's no doubt we should go up and take provision. We will absolutely overcome. Because we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of a promise that's already been made. Y'all with me? And so, and, and, and so Caleb stood up, verse 30, and he shut corn. Maybe that's a North Arkansas thing. He told them how it was. You need to shut your mouth. That's not what God said. We will win if we go. Right? Verse 31. The men who had gone up with him said, We are not able. Man, if there's one thing I hear so much of today is I just can't do it no more in Chester. I'm just not able. I fought a lot and tired of losing. Just not able. Can't do it no more. The men who'd gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong. Matter of fact, not only are they too strong, verse 32, uh, they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land. How do we know it's a bad report? Because A, it's not what God said. And B, the scripture says, this is a bad report. Make sense? It's not what God said. What did God say? I'm going to bring this back to where you live in just a little bit. 
They said, the land through which we have gone is in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. So now they're saying, God, what you decided, the land you chose for us is not the right land. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. It's literally like wanting to live in a different area of history because when God chose to plant you in the season of life, uh, you have a problem with. There's a reason you exist when the world and, 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 and North America is going crazy. Because God gave you a promise and he says, take the land. But see, man, we've got too many Democrats out there. We've got too many. Oh, it's getting quiet in here now. There's giants out there, right? And, and that, those, those rich men north of Richmond and all that kind of stuff. And so the land through which we have gone is spying out. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in are men of great size, giants. Everybody say giants. Therefore, or there also we saw the Nephilim. These dudes ain't even fully human. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll leave that alone. Do not come ask me about that. Go ask somebody else about that, okay? All right, and we become like, this is what we are. They are giants and we are grasshoppers. What a confession, Christian. What a confession, Israel. The problem out there is real big and we're real small. Don't act like we're not saying the same thing in 2023 about our world. The, 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 the church, by and large, has identified as a grasshopper saying we can't overcome the spirit of the age and everything hell throwing at us. But the truth is, God said, I gave you this promise. That you won't coast into eternity. Uh, the bride's not getting more beat down before he comes. But the bride is becoming more beautiful and, 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 and more glorious before he comes. Amen? So we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's true. In your own sight, in your own sight, the way you see it, not how God sees it. It's not how their enemies will see it one day. Them grasshoppers came and they kicked a tail. So we were in their sight. Verse 34, or chapter 14, whichever one's coming next. Then all the congregation lifted up their voice. Let me stop before we go, let me go, let me stop before we go forward. Here's the, here's the problem, Christian. Listen to me. Here's the problem with this story and the modern gospel. That we were taught. I'm, not, I'm talking about like the modern gospel. All across this America, you're going to hear this kind of teaching that God has these promises for you, and that those promises, they don't come with any fighting, they don't come with any war, they don't come with any struggle, they don't come with any uh, suffering, they don't, right? That they're just, they're just given to you, and you ain't got to fight for your promise. Everything comes easy, everything comes uh, without, without any kind of personal struggle or investment or blood, sweat, and tears. That makes sense? The promises of God never come that way. Matter of fact, if we go back to Hoshea, the desire of salvation, one day salvation would come through Yeshua, but it would definitely cost him blood, sweat, and tears. Y'all making it sense? Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so the idea is that we have fallen in this trap where we, don't, where we think any type of suffering or any kind of trials or any type of, of resistance or pushback or any real battles. We're not talking about, for the children of Israel, uh, small battles. We're talking about facing large fortified cities and giants that are nine feet tall. Those were real battles that would require real sacrifice. And we require real losses sometimes. You hear what I'm saying? But the truth is that if you would go, the land's already yours. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're going to fight. Yeah, you're going to war. Yeah, you're going to battle. Yeah, you're probably going to, you may get injured or you may, you, there may be some casualties along the way. But the truth is that if you go, Israel, you possess the land. So verse 14, this is how they responded. The congregation lifted up their voices in the wilderness, in the desert, with the promised land right in front of them, on the precipice, at the doorway of their promise, in the season of their promise. Know with me? 
and said, let's not go forward. Let's go backwards. Congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. The sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said, it would have been better, it would have been better to die in slavery than to have to try to fight for the promise. Y'all out there? It would have been better to die in the land where our people were enslaved for 400 years. Or maybe we would have died in the wilderness where, you know, we had to, you know, hit a rock and get water and expect bread from fall from heaven. It would have been better to die there than to go into the land with milk and honey and grapes the size of a basketball because I'm not willing to fight for it. Verse 3, why is the Lord doing this to us? The problem with disillusionment is you'll turn on the guy who gave you the promise to begin with. Y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? The problem with disillusionment and discouragement, that's the key word, They need courage. They're told to take up courage. But the problem with discouragement is now you'll see what was meant to be your promised blessing as a curse. So the Israel goes from here is is a promised land, milk and honey, fruit, a land where we can grow our descendants and be the nation God has called us to be. Now why did God curse us with this? It'd be better to go be subject to Egypt than to have to believe God and fight the war and gain the promise. Why does the Lord bring us into this land to fall by the sword, blaming the one who gave you the promise? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better to go back to Egypt? The answer is no! Am I the only one that's saying that this morning? The answer is no, we don't go back. Missy said it. Uh, she read the wrong version. She read not the inspired version this morning. That last version, that last, uh, that last verse, we, we are not like those who shrink back, but we are the faithful ones. I'm not going back to Egypt. Come on. I'm not going back to Egypt. You don't have a leader who, who, who desires to take us back anywhere. I'm talking about in just, just settling down and just hoping for the best. I'm talking about we have to be a people of faith who want to go forward, even if it means we got to fight. Even if it means we got to claw. Even if it means we got to, even, even if we get injured along the way. Even if they persecute us and ridicule us. Even if they come against us and lie about us. Even if we have some losses along the way. I'm telling you, we're going forward because that's what he said. Verse 4, so they said to one another, well, I don't want to preach this. I don't want to preach this. I don't want to preach this. They said, let's just get us a new pastor. Moving right along. Well, you know what? God was wrong, and the man who followed God was wrong. So let's replace not let's replace the man too. Verse five. Moses and Aaron fell on their face in the presence of the all of the assembly and the congregation of the sons of Israel. And verse six. And Yeshua. That's what I'm banking on. That's what I'm banking on. That when the world comes against us. We fall on our face and Yeshua says, okay, let me talk for a second. Yeshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and those who had spied out the land, they ripped their clothes. Why did they rip their clothes? It has been an old, it has been an age-old symbol in the history of Israel that when somebody blasphemed God, they ripped their clothes. 
And right now, the children of Israel were literally cursing God and cursing his man, and they were blaspheming the very God. They were blaming the very God who gave them a promise, and they were ripping it. So they ripped their, the righteous ones, ripped their clothes. Verse 6, verse 7, they spoke to all the congregation. They said, <laughs> is it a matter of perspective? They said, what y'all are calling bad is not only good, but exceedingly good. Hear me right now, ladies and gentlemen. Over the city of El Dorado, where this church was planted and where we were planted to be his people. They can call it bad all day long. They can see giants and they can see fortified institutions that have been there for ages and ages and idols that refuse to bow their knee to the lordship of Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, I will not say anything other than what God has said over this promised land, our city, that can absolutely flow with milk and honey and can be more fruitful than we could ever have imagined. Stop cursing what God has promised. The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If you don't feel that, no, no, stop, calm down. Calm down, Chester. Calm down. The lie is always this, that the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is very green right here in the land he promised us. There is a, I say it again, there is a reason this church exists where it exists. And there's a reason God took this small North Arkansas hillbilly kid from a town of 300 people and planted him in South Arkansas, as far away from the North border as he's close to the South border now. And he grows there with his family. And they grow up and they sprout and they're being, you see what I'm saying? And there's a place I live here because I didn't choose El Dorado. God chose El Dorado for me. And he had a promise attached to it. I'm not coming here to just survive until the end comes. I'm not here to, to ride out this, this Christian thing until we can all sit on a cloud and sing kumbaya. And yes, there's real giants out there. And yes, there's real fortified places that are going to be hard to break down. But there's a promise by God. And I will, not, I will not be one of the voices that, that, that lend my, my voice to, to uh, the, the, uh, the, the heresy of saying what God has said is no longer valid. This is a, I prophesy, I say it right now. God, Elder Rader, is an exceedingly good land. Union County, exceedingly good land. Verse 8, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land, see, y'all saw giants, we saw milk. Y'all saw fortified cities, we saw honey. What do you see? A land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 9. Don't, not my words, but I will use God's words today. Don't get rebellious. Don't get rebellious. Don't rebel against the Lord and do not, everybody say fear, the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. It's almost like that's one of the names of Jesus. The God is with us. Emmanuel. Right? Y'all see Jesus in this story? The Lord is with us. Do not fear. If God is with you, then take up. If you're, his, God is with you, his name is on you. Take up courage and go produce fruit. Where you at, Cleji? Go produce fruit, right? Full of courage, full of the name of God. Don't be afraid. Is that all I did with verse 9? Is that all I did? Or if I do verse 13. You remember? Let's just read another one just to make sure. Verse 10, when all the congregation said, let's stone them with stones. 
And I love this. Was it three weeks ago, Patty? Three weeks ago on a Monday morning, I text Patty. I woke up in the morning. Patty's our head intercessor in prayer uh, lady in the church. And I texted her. I said, the Lord got this one prayer on my heart that I cannot get. I'm praying it over and over and over. And I don't like, why is this? I haven't been thinking about this. I haven't been studying this. I haven't been preaching about this. And the prayer was that the glory of the Lord would fill the earth. And the Bible says that when they rose up and rebelled, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tent. Sometimes the glory comes to heal and to save and deliver. Sometimes the glory comes whenever we're in rebellion and says, let's put some things straight. I don't know which glory is coming, but I think his glory is coming. Amen? Let's just bring this down practically for a second. I talked about mostly our church as a whole. Melissa ships here. Melissa is a cool cat, right? Our business starts September the 5th. So in about less than three weeks, she opens a, a what's been a lifelong dream and what she would tell you, she got like a promise from God to start her own restaurant. Start this business. Look at me. Look at me. The idea isn't that she's fighting to make a successful business. The idea is that she's fighting, uh, that, she's, uh, that, she, that she's operating from a place of this business is successful because God said go. Yeah. And that she will fight some battles on the way, but she's operating from a place of victory and not a place of trying to strive to gain victory. Yeah. And lots of people would say, well, this is a bad time to be starting a business. You can't find qualified servers in El Dorado. You can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And there's lots of, there's, there's, there's a way more majority than the two that will say what you can't do. But right now, with that promise that God put on her heart, practically, she's going, I'm going in the word of the Lord. I'm going in the name of Jesus. I'm going with courage, and I bet it's, I bet it's scary, isn't it? Yeah, everybody say double portion of courage, right? I bet, and you got to have this courage to go and to walk out this promise that God has laid on her heart. Does that make sense? And to go do that because the Lord called her to do it. And, and her business is not just her business. It's her vehicle where she can do not just make money and provide for her family, but be a, a voice for righteousness in this city. I mean, I think it would be cool, personally, Whenever a couple years ago they're they're riding around downtown rioting, if we had a business in our church that would let us gather up in there and pray and intercede on behalf while they're trying to be a crazy fools out there. Amen. Strategically placed in the heart of our city as a light in a beacon where Jesus is glorified, right? You hear what I'm saying? So what's you gonna believe? What are you gonna believe? Yeah, yeah, Melissa, there's gonna be some real giants. I ain't talking about, well, in September, you know, our, our margins were down 3% from last month. I'm talking about real giants. But there's real battles in front of you. Amen. If God calls you anything, there's going to be a real war to fight for it. Amen? The idea that God calls you to it and then you just float on a cloud to its fulfillment is a lie. Amen. Name one person in the Bible who had that experience. Well, Daniel, no, he almost got eaten by lions. Joseph, his brother, sold him into slavery. Faked his death. Right? Moses. Yes, he, was, uh, he had to flee into the wilderness. And he had a speech impediment. Name me one person who God said, this is how it's going to be. And they just drifted off into the fulfillment of their promise. Little angels sat on their shoulder and soothed their souls. It's never like that. If God called you to something... You will have to fight for it. You'll have to face some giants. I remember this is a funny story. Funny story. The funniest stories are when I, I, I tell on myself. But I remember back in the day, I mean, I first come here uh, 15 years ago almost, and Daniel was playing this song and, at morning prayer and worship one time, and, and uh, the song had this line in it like, oh, uh, we cut off the giant's head. We eat giants for our bread. Anybody heard that song? Remember that song? Okay. 
And I'm like, dude, this song is kind of dorky. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, it ain't even the Bible. And he went and found it in the Bible and showed it to me. And I was like, I'm a goober. Right? Okay, that's absolutely in the Bible. It literally says, we cut off giant's head, we eat giants for our bread. Maybe we need a good diet of giant because we've been feasting ourselves on the easy stuff for too long. That makes sense? Giants, they're not our obstacle, they're our food. <laughs> According to the scripture, anyway. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? As a church, we're moving forward. As a church, we're going into a promise that God has absolutely laid out to us, not just a recent promise, but an age-old promise that's been prophesied in that church for years and years and years and years and years. And the promise has not failed, and the promise has not changed. It's still in front of us, and we will go forward into the promise. And yes, we've got, hey, I'm here to tell you, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. I'm tired of fighting, Chester. I'm tired of struggle. I'm tired of war. I'm tired of change. I'm tired of, I, aren't we all? There's still giants in our path. There's still fortified cities in our path. We've still got more work to do. Amen? But it's better to face a giant than to return back to slavery. Stand up on your feet. Every good thing God has for you comes with a fight. Amen? Y'all don't believe that, do you? Every good thing God has for you comes with a fight. The promise wasn't, listen to me, when, when, when Andrew's talking about victory earlier, the idea of victory is that you don't have to fight. The idea of victory is that the battle has already been won. You're fighting from a place of you will win. And by the word of the Lord, I just tell every person in this room who feels like they're losing, don't quit the good fight. You will win. You're not trying to win. You've already won. It will manifest. Take courage. Take courage. I love that. Listen to me. I love that because it's, it's not even God said, I'll give you courage. What you need is already inside of you. Take it up. Take courage. Amen? And when you don't have enough courage, you think you don't have enough courage, call, some, call a Caleb, call a Joshua. Don't call one of the ten spies who's going to tell you how bad it is. Amen? Don't call on the ten spies who's just going to agree with everything the hell says. If you listen to the ten spies, you go back to Egypt. I'm preaching better than shouting, okay? So in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, that you, uh, that you prophesied this word. You released it by the spiritual gifts into our congregation. And may this word get deep in our spirits and in our hearts. And may we be like a, a Joshua and Caleb. May we go in the name of Jesus and the power and the authority that comes with that name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That, that, that the enemy has to lower his knee to the ground while Jesus comes riding in in victory. Let me pray right now. We go in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that every person in this room would experience a supernatural resurrection inside of their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions of courage to face the future. God, every person that's fought and lost, God, that is not their, that is not their future. Their future is, is, is promised. And so we pray in the name of Jesus that every person has the courage inside of their spirit, man, to stand up and not to be discouraged, but full of the courage of God and to face the future. God, we pray, God, that I pray that we are in a season of fruit. And may we be fruitful in this season. May we see this fall and increase in the fruit of heaven in, our, in this church, God. May we see salvations and baptisms and, and people filled with the Holy Spirit and discipleship and, and people who are who are who are forsaking everything to follow after Jesus, God. I pray that we would believe. Leave your word and that we would shun the lie 
That we would not entertain the lie. That we would not entertain what, what, the, what the enemy is saying. But God, that we would not look back and, 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 and desire what is behind us. But God, we would do like Paul, press on to the mark that is in front of us. The high calling in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that that prophetic word would be a shot in the arm to this church. And that we would stand up in courage. We would take the land. And we would, and we would, uh, and we would receive the promise. And God, that we would not grumble and complain when there's a giant in our way. God, you can take a pebble and take out a giant. So we pray in the name of Jesus that we would have faith, that we would have faith to believe that what you said will come to pass in Jesus' name. Every person in this room believing for their prodigal to come home. Every person in this room believing for their sons and their daughters to come back to Jesus Christ. May the promise that the word says it's train up a child in the way that they should go. They will not depart from it. May they hang on and cling to that word and not forsake the promise of heaven and may they see fruit in this season in Jesus' name. I pray right now over our people, God, that, that, that the dreams and the visions and the and the dreams and the destinies that you have uh, bottled up in the hearts of people in this room that have may, that may have been dormant for years, God, would begin to have resurrection life and come back to the surface, and they would believe again that the promises are yes and amen. God, I pray that you would stir our souls and stir our spirits, that the heaven would move on our behalf. God, that we would not Fear, God, for you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you have touched in our souls, our mind, our will, our emotion, God, that we have power, we have love. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray a sound mind over these people. I pray a sound mind that every every ounce of depression and every ounce of 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 of, of, of just sadness and every ounce of anything that would come and attack their mind right now that would cloud their way of seeing and thinking that their mind would not be um, full of that but it would be renewed in the power and the strength and the spirit of God and they would have a sound mind that they would think thoughts that believe God again that they would think thoughts that are full of faith again God I pray over our people that we would not fear the future that we would not call everything that we see with our natural eyes that the way the enemy calls it that we would see with spiritual eyes that on the mountain ranges all around this church is a host of God's armies who are waiting to fight on our behalf God I pray that these people would rise up that they would rise up I say rise up in the name of Jesus for you are Caleb and you are Joshua and you go in the name of Jesus and you are not what you were you are who I say you are I pray every grasshopper mentality has got to bend its knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ right now in this house. You're not a grasshopper. You are a man or a woman and you are a child of God and your word is powerful and his spirit inside of you can move mountains. So we pray in the name of Jesus that these things would be settled. They become immovable. There'd be a solid foundation, unshaken by anything this world can throw at us. May the Lord God Yahweh prove himself strong to this people in this church. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I love you. You have a wonderful day.